I hope you don't go home and say, well, we gave him a few minutes and he still didn't preach. <laughs> uh, Mark chapter 3. Not too many of our churches blessed to have an orchestra. That's pretty nice. They did, and I don't know if it's out of place to say this or not, but they did a very fine job. We'll pack all the proud. Mark chapter 3, and we'll begin with verse 1. <clears throat> Got a couple of things I'm going to tie together in this, so uh, I might read longer than usual, but chapter 3 and verse 1. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand, and they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto him, the man which had the withered hand, stand forth, and he saith unto him, It is lawful, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Now this is the Son of God on the Sabbath day where he ought to be. And they were where they ought to be. But we find that they're unsaved and they don't have a spiritual heart to know Jesus Christ. He came to the Jews. And the Jews received him not. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Edomia, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. When they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues and unclean spirits. When they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. In verse 13, he goeth up into a mountain, called unto him whom he would. They came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach, 
and have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, and he surnamed them Nerges, which is the sons of thunder. And Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Now the devil would cause a lot of confusion as far as the Lord's church is concerned. And when Rome came into existence, some 300 and some years after this period of time that we're reading about, it was their idea and their conception of things that the Old Testament and the New Testament were so far apart from one another that one would not recognize the other. And if you think about it today, when you hear people out here preaching concerning these false churches, uh, you know, they don't want to go uh, into the Old Testament and look at how God was worshipped. You know, they'll tell you some Old Testament stories, but how that He was worshipped and the truth of it. So in the beginning of Mark chapter 3, we uh, find them at the synagogue. Jesus was there and the Jews were there and the hypocrites were there. And they were accusing Christ. And even in the, uh, the preceding ver uh, chapter, they were accusing Him. They would have nothing to do with Him. And the truth of the matter was that the great high priest Himself was there on that particular day to start His New Testament church which is not going to be all that far, as far as a lot of people think. Now what did they do in the Old Testament? What was the purpose of Old Testament worship? Whether you're talking about the temple or whether you're talking about the tabernacle, the whole purpose was to worship Jesus Christ. And everything in both those places typified the work of of Jesus Christ. And for hundreds of years, the Jews, <coughs> excuse me, God's people, worshiped Christ in that He would come one day, that He would shed His blood and redeem His people from their sins. That's what they worshiped, or that's at least what they were supposed to worship. We have come down at this particular time, in the point in time in which the majority of them believed not, the majority of them had placed salvation with their own hands by works that they would do, and they surrounded themselves, you know, with doctrines uh, 
uh, from the Bible that they really didn't believe. But they pretended to worship God. That's what's going on at this time. But Jesus Christ, this very same day that He's accused by these Jews, is going to start His New Testament church. Started in Mark chapter 3. I know there are some brethren, uh, you know, uh, uh, that we know that believe otherwise. As long as you stay on this side of Pentecost, I won't argue much with you. But it started here in Mark chapter 3. Very descriptive of what a church is. What is a church? A called out assembly of baptized believers. And they're called out here. And they're called out by name. And they're assembled together by the Lord Jesus Christ, the great high priest himself. And then we find them uh, there in that last verse going into a house. They were commissioned to go and heal and preach and do all these things that the church was commanded to do. So, first of all, you know, it is a transitional period rather than a complete start over with nothing having to do with anything else. All one has to do is read the New Testament and you'll find quote after quote after quote in the Word of God from men who preached the Word of God and quoted the prophets. Their doctrine did not completely change. Election didn't change and uh, there was always limited atonement and uh, salvation by grace and perseverance and preservation. All of these things were true in the Old Testament. They're going to be true in the New Testament. The biggest difference that separates the two is that the Old Testament preached a Christ who was coming and the church preaches a Christ who did come. The same Christ. You know, the same message. One preaching in the future and one preaching that He has come. So we see uh, this flow. To me, it's a flow. I don't know if you've ever looked at it like that or not. But it strikes me that way, uh, that it's, it's the flow of God uh, moving into worship in the church as His work is going to be a finished work in his, uh, during His earthly ministry. Notice who it is that's called first. You know, there are some Gentile preachers out here that want to mention very little about the Jews. They have very little to say about the Jews. But it was Jews who Jesus placed in the church first. What a group of Gentiles of Jews. And, uh, of course, that started phasing out as, as time went on and there was less and less belief uh, among the Jewish people. Now primarily 
Uh, it's a Gentile work, but nonetheless, it started with the Jews. And that makes them a connection with the Old Testament. And all this truth that we find in the tabernacle and the, the temple and so forth, and how that God was worshipped, uh, it's continuing on uh, in the church, except it is presented as a finished work. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals. And the blood of those animals represented the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, we don't have an altar in the New Testament church because our sacrifice has already been made. You know, if we had something to sacrifice, we could have an altar. But our sacrifice has already come. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So we don't have an altar, but we do have an ordinance <coughs> that speaks of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We have the Lord's Supper that speaks of the shed blood of our Savior uh, and the body that He bore while He bore our sins there on the tree. We have that. And we worship as a New Testament church that way uh, in type. We have baptism. It speaks of the burial and the resurrection of, uh, of Christ, you see. The church is worshiping on the other side. While they looked ahead, we look back. But we're both what? We're both looking at the, the same truth. So there's a, a connection there, not a total uh, disconnect completely, but just a different way of worshiping. Now, many will treat the church as if it was some scatterbrained idea that man came up with. No such thing. Another church was ordained of God and those who were uh, members of that first church we find in our text were uh, ordained of God. The great high priest did that himself. You know, the, the work in the Old Testament as far as uh, sacrifice and different uh, things was left in the hands of the great high priest. Well, here the great high priest organizes uh, his New Testament church uh, here this day. He has power and he has authority to do that. Has every right to do that as the great high priest. And no other organization has had a great high priest that's had a connection with the work of God, a great high priest who came from heaven uh, himself to organize and to, to start their work. You know, that, that means something. That means something. And uh, we find that uh, the great high priest, Jesus Christ, 
as he organizes uh, this church, not only does he uh, tell them that they have power to do this, but he gives them power to do it. You know, the Old Testament work, uh, that revolved around the power of God, didn't it? Remember those old Philistines stole the ark and they thought they was going to you know, do all kinds of things with that ark? And as soon as they got a hold of the ark, they had trouble. Didn't and it wasn't long until they was going to give that ark back. It wasn't, didn't belong in their hands. It didn't give them any power. Now the work of God is empowered by God. And we have power today still to carry on that work. And that was seen in the Old Testament. Surely it's seen in the New Testament. Jesus says uh, to these 12 uh, that He's going to give them power to heal sicknesses and cast out devils. They had power to raise up the dead. They had a lot of power, didn't they? It wasn't because they were a, a, a bunch of uh, sorcerers or witches or uh, anything like that. They had the power of God. Now I know that many today claim they have that same power and that healing power and uh, and all that. But you know, uh, it's not evidenced by God the power of God in their lives. And I'm not saying that God might not heal somebody uh, for the sake of healing them uh, besides anything they do or say. But I'll tell you what, if I had power to heal people, uh, I'd quit working. I don't know about you, I'd quit working. I'd never worry about working again. I'd just go around healing people. I'd go in hospitals and I'd go all over and lay hands on people and just heal them one after another. I don't know why they don't do that if they have the power. But here they had the power of God. And that power to heal and that power to, uh, to raise the dead and, uh, and all, uh, cast out demons, that lasted uh, for a while. Then it kind of played out. Not because of any weakness in their apartment, God caused it to cease. That power was given unto His church that people might recognize that it's the work of God. Isn't that what He did in the Old Testament? When they uh, walked around and that ark went before them, wasn't that a sign that the power of God was with them? Wasn't it a sign that when the enemies of God would come up against them and they'd be destroyed, wasn't that a sign that God was with them? And so it is. It's carried on through into the New Testament. It was a sign that the power of God was with these people. They had power to speak and they had power to heal. And they preached a word that had power to say. He said, why don't we have that now? Well, we still have the great high priest who has power to heal. 
We still have the great high priest who has power to save. You see, it wasn't in them. It was power that God uh, used uh, with them and, and through them. So there's not this great uh, disconnect, but a, a transition. And I think it does us good not to lose sight of that. That God this whole time has been calling a people and saving a people. <coughs> Excuse me. This whole time they have uh, been on the earth and worshiping God in spirit and in truth to His glory. Thank God for that. Now the Jews rejected that work mainly because they would not recognize a fulfilled word. They would not have anything to do with this high priest. This man who calls himself the Savior. This man who is able to read their minds and let them know what they're thinking. This man that they see heal and this man that they Seed thousands, feed thousands with a few fishes and loaves. They refuse to believe that He is the Christ of this fulfilled work. It's interesting that the bride one day will dwell in New Jerusalem. It'll be a new Jerusalem. The old Jerusalem's going to be gone, but they're going to dwell with him in a new Jerusalem. You see, there's no disconnect there. Still the beloved city of God. Jerusalem, the city that God has chosen. And they're going to dwell there with their king. The Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you're a member of a New Testament Baptist church today, one of these days, you're going to be in New Jerusalem with your king, and you're not going to be going to church. There won't be a Buffalo Valley Baptist church to go to, but we'll worship in unity there in. New Jerusalem, worship our King at His feet. Just like we find them uh, in uh, the Old Testament. <clears throat> now God is a spirit and those who will worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Truth doesn't change. You know, the truth about God has never changed. I know when you talk about men's religion, they go, when they go from one religion to another, their truth changes because their God changes. There's been hundreds of religions come into this world 
people dissatisfied with what's here and they'll start another that that suits them better but you know the truth of God and Christ never changes and what the Bible says in the Old Testament about Christ is true today it's the same truth now we're able to look back and see things clearer no doubt than they could we had that advantage but it's the same truth nothing has changed I don't know you know what we say we believe that hasn't been believed before by God's people they believe they were saved that they needed to be saved that they didn't deserve to be saved and that God was going to save one difference is that they were and God did the limitating of those who would hear the gospel you and I are go out in the whole world and preach the gospel but we preach the truth the, same, the truth is not changed so we find then that as the great high priest became himself the head of the church there was no change in God and there was no change in any truth concerning God he was prophet, priest, and king in the Old Testament he's prophet, priest, and king now and we ought to worship him as uh, as such some people act like they're afraid to be in the Old Testament much. I tell you, if we didn't have the Old Testament, we'd know very little about God. We'd know a whole lot less than what we know now without the Old Testament. They knew a great deal about God. And uh, again, as we find in our Bibles, uh, those Baptist preachers spent a lot of time quoting uh, Old Testament prophets so as I said I, I believe there's a, a connection there and uh, we ought to think about that and rejoice in that religion true religion is not so mixed up jumbled up and as hard as people would try to make it to believe we read the story in our text he came to the Jews they received him not on that particular day he takes these Jews out and organizes them into his New Testament church and from then on he worked through the church and uh, when people preach they preach that they ought to be when they're saved that they ought to be members of the New Testament church God's not doing it like this anymore. He's going through the church. Of course, they died for saying that. You know. Became martyrs for preaching that. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's God's business. That's how God uh, did it, and that's how God does it. And that's the way He's going to stay until He comes back 
after us. Thank God for His finished work in His New Testament church and the fact that He put us in it. Thank God.